Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, Wang Lu. Joining me to discuss um, everything Raptors is uh, Raptors uh, writer extraordinaire, reporter extraordinaire, Michael Grange of Sportsnet. Grange, how you doing, man? I'm good, Well, Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time, everything like that. Um, let's dive right into the meat of this thing, because um, you wrote what I would, what I thought was a very eye-opening story. Um, this is about, I guess, almost two weeks ago now, but uh, on Sportsnet, the title is called Many Factors at Play as for Ujiri as Raptors Contract Decision Draws Near. I thought it was a very um, informative piece, kind of covered all the grounds of what could be possibly happening with Masai. Obviously he's entering the last year of his contract, um, this current one. And, you know, we do keep asking him about the (laughs) contract situation and he keeps coming up with the creative excuses as to why it's not signed. So I'll just ask you, Mike, what's going on? What, you know, (laughs) what's going on here? Well, I think, I think there's a a bunch of different factors and and I, I do think the pandemic has kind of, been a fairly legitimate excuse for for some of the stuff dragging on but um even before the pandemic struck i mean it was back in january february i think it was kind of november if i'm getting my facts right november of uh 19 into february of 20 um kind of the new york stuff was really percolating a lot and and you know a lot of people thought that was just bs and and, you know, I'm very confident that there was, uh, you know, some real meat on that, on that bone, that there was, uh, it was more than just kind of rumor. It was, uh, there was a real opportunity there. And, and I think he was very intrigued by it. And, um, you know, I think what happened there was, um, you know, James Dolan just ran out of patience. He did not want to have to wait. And, uh, and that, I think that was one factor. And I think MLSC and Larry Tannenbaum, kind of they 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 came back hard they were like you know we are not tolerating this and uh, we'll shout tampering every other kind of means in the book so I think it just you know it just was too big a hurdle for the for the Knicks and it would have required too much patience but uh in saying all of that uh you know I think what kind of came out of 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 that uh notion was you know, you really got a sense that Messiah jury wanted to test the market. He wanted, you know, he's like all of us, we've seen, you know, all these superstars kind of really use leverage, really use, um, you know, the ability to get to free agency to find the next best opportunity for them. And it, it, it kind of serves two purposes. It sort of focuses the organization they're on now to make sure that they're on guard and, and, you know, you don't want to be the team that let, let down LeBron in his contract year. And it also allows you to kind of survey the landscape, maybe send signals out there to other organizations that if they get their ducks in a row, there could be an opportunity. And I think, you know, so, so I say all of that cause that's February of, of 20. We have the pandemic in, in March and, 
I think, you know, I, I think independent of the pandemic, I, I, I think we'd be here anyway. I, I don't think Masai Jiri was in a rush to sign anything. I'm not sure that now he's in a rush to sign anything. And I think it's for all those reasons I've just touched on. Like he's waiting to see what that next best opportunity might be. And in the meantime, the benefit is he can really, uh, you know, keep some pressure on MLSE, especially during the camp pandemic, when it'd be very easy to say, listen, we got to pull back here. We got to, you know, we can't really make a commitment there financially, um, you know, because of revenues. And, uh, you know, clearly that's, you know, that's something Messiah Jerry would want to kind of make sure that the, the organization he was with wouldn't use as an excuse. So, um, so I think that's, that's where we're at is a long answer, but we're kind of, um, you know, where I thought we would always be that, that, you know, kind of into this last year of the deal, still nothing signed, nothing imminent. And I think that all suits Messiah jury very well. Yeah. I mean, look, um, we're talking about one of the best executives, um, um, in the sporting world for sure. Do not envy MLSC having to negotiate with Messiah. I feel like that's probably difficult. Um, Okay, so in the piece, you mentioned that Masai on his next deal will earn something in the neighborhood of $12 million, which is, I, th- I believe Phil Jackson got something similar with the Knicks. Obviously, that's like Phil Jackson or something. Yeah, I think his number was 11. And it, so it that's 11? why it starts at 12. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. it's like he'll, you know, he'll be number one. And, and yeah. you know, I talked to one person who's got a lot of experience negotiating uh, some of these executive compensation deals and and – you know, not only would he be number one, he would be in a position where that deal would open up if someone surpassed him. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. really right now as about as peak as you can be um, in terms of value and leverage. And, and you know, clearly one is because he's proven to be a pretty effective executive, right? Like he's won, his teams have won. I think if you go back to Denver, I think his teams have won an average of like 54 games a year. They've made the playoffs every year. So, I mean, it's not just a, a short-term blip. And as we know, as he's done it mostly with, I'm not going to say he's had some great players, but, mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't really he had one year when he had uh, an acknowledged superstar and he won an NBA title. So, um, so there's that. But also I think he's the man of the moment, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's uh, a leader, a galvanizer. I think, um, you know, you'd never trivialize uh, his – it this way and I'm not trivializing it, but I think as, as a black man, as a, as a, as an African man, I think he also uh, there's, there's a kind of an added weight to his presence um, that, you know, any forward thinking organization would, would, would appreciate and would, I think it, it means something in the NBA. So, you know, he's in, he's in a great spot. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think he, he brings, I mean, very few executives are a just as good as Masai, but I think no other executives currently bring the kind of um, the cultural leadership that Masai does, and I think that is very, very valuable, especially because um, it's not just a moment for Masai. He's been doing this uh, for at least you know a decade. I mean, I remember reading stories about when he was about to be hired for GM of Denver, and he and he told the owners. It's like if you don't give me this fifty extra k to um to to send to my you know uh, Giants of Africa program, I'm not gonna sign this deal. And they're like, you're really gonna not take a GM deal over fifty k? And he's like, yes. 
and they gave him the, the, the deal. And obviously, that was a fantastic choice. Two questions about the $12 million thing. A, is that figure good with MLSC? Because that is a pretty high number. Um, and what other teams would even be in the, the, the market for something like that? Because I, I definitely know there's some Tillman Fertitas of the world who, who probably won't be spending $12 million on an executive. I think we can safely say that Tillman Fertitta <laughs> could come with $120 million. <laughs> and Masai Ujiri would be like, nah. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think there's you know there's a couple of organizations you probably count out because of politics and, and things like that. But um 100% there the MLC would be good with that. I mean okay. I mean MLC kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap. I'm not probably less so now, but but I mean they they are a great ownership group. They really are. I mean um people who have left the organization to go other places would have told me that like it's just an awesome place to work period, but even in the context of, or maybe especially in the context of other NBA teams or sports teams. And what do they pay tomorrow? Carroll? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you know, so I, I think, I think the money is not going to be an issue and league wide though. Um, I think there is, especially coming out of a pandemic, I, I think there would be a shorter list mm-hmm. of organizations that would want to just break the bank Um you know, there's a lot of sharp executive minds out there. I don't think you need to pay 12 million to get one. Um, so, and I think from the flip side is always, is also true. I don't think Masai Jury is looking to, you know, spend the prime of his career in Memphis, no offense to Memphis, but I don't think it's, you know, where uh, he would have the platform that to, to do all the other things that are important to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're really talking and, and that's why I think this deal has kind of dragged on a little bit is, is you know you're talking the Clippers and the Lakers. Last we checked, those jobs are filled. Are filled. Yep. Let's check back on the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know you got Brooklyn and the Knicks again. Same thing. Yep. I think Chicago. They obviously just started with a new ownership group. You know maybe Miami. Well, there's nothing going on in Miami. Um, you know it really is a pretty short list of teams that would look to. Uh, make a splash like Ojiri would provide and could afford it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's another factor in all of this. Yeah, it's actually interesting to bring up Miami because I, I did see this recent piece about how um, the Ojiri the, the family purchased a $2.6 million house in Miami. Yes. This is in January. Um, so this is not like related to, I don't know, the relocation or anything like that. But uh, that was interesting. But I mean, I think Miami is, is pretty pretty concrete with their ownership situation or their management situation. I just thought it was interesting. Um, okay, so I, in the piece, you talk about uh, maybe some changes in the MLSC board um, that might factor into this. Can you w- just walk us through what are those changes uh, and why would that matter in this situation? Well, maybe I, how I, maybe how MLSC works too, because I think a lot of sure, people get confused. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So MLSC is owned by three entities. One is is Bell. One is Rogers, who I work for, and one is uh, Larry Tannerbaum's holding company. So Bell and uh, Rogers own 37.5% each. The Tannenbaum group owns 25%. Um, and there's, I think there's eight positions on the board. Three belong to Bell, three belong to Rogers, and two are effectively Tannenbaums. Mm-hmm. So that's eight, right? Six, six, eight. Yeah, three, three, six, eight. And um, for the longest time, right, basically the entire time that, that Ujiri's been with MLSC, uh, you know, you had, he could count on Tannenbaum's votes. There was never, ever going to be a question there. And he could 
count on not just the support, but the enthusiastic support of George Cope, who carried the three bell votes. So you have five out of eight. And, you know, no offense to Rogers or anyone that works here. They'd be more affiliated or associated with the baseball side. You know, they own the Blue Jays and things like that. You know, I don't think that, uh, you know, Ed Rogers or and now Melinda Rogers um, are kind of good, would pretend to be big basketball people. Not that that necessarily matters, but um, like George Cope, for example, was a basketball guy. He played basketball at Western. I think his son played as well. So it really was something that was maybe more endear, near and dear to his heart. And there was an element, other element there where George Cope, he was kind of instrumental in the beginning of the Bell Let's Talk campaign. Mm, and okay. so I think there was a connection there with, you know, the, the kind of foundation work and, um, and public uh, leadership that, that Ujiri showed. So for his entire time here, he's, he's had a really, really good relationship with the board of directors and could proceed with confidence in almost any direction. He got hundred percent support. And the evidence of that would be, you know, one thing I did touch on in the piece when he was recruited by then MLSC CEO, Tim Laiwiki, you know, there was like this list, like, these are the things I want. I want a G league team. I want uh, control complete and utter control. I want uh, a new practice facility. I want to host the all-star game. I want support for my foundation. I want to win. And then Tim Laiwiki was like, great, let's do it. And we, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think it gets underrated actually what, you know, the championship is incredible, obviously, but, but those things getting them done. And I think they got them all done by 2016 that was amazing. Yep. You know, I, I mean, I thought in 2016 when the Raptors went to the conference finals, uh, you know, he, he should have been a GM of the year. Like, there was no doubt in my yeah. mind. Like, they hosted the All-Star game. They opened the practice facilities, started the G League team all at once. So, um, and and won. But, and so, so I think the context here is, you know, the board has changed a little bit. George Cope retired. Um so there's a new presence from the Bell side. Uh, there's some new faces on the Rogers side. And this is not to suggest that all of a sudden there's going to be a conflict or there's tension. Mm-hmm. It's just the dynamics of that board haven't been tested yet. Uh, they, I think they will be <laughs> through this season when you could take, you know, a massive hit in revenues and what are you willing to invest in? And, and all of that. And, and I think there's probably also a little bit of, of an element of, you know, once you've accomplished everything that jury's accomplished, like what's your next wish list? So he's mm. got to come up with that, be reassured that they'll, they'll commit to it. And I think, you know, you look at what Golden State's done this year. I think their complete salary um, obligation with luxury tax uh, is it some crazy number like it's like, it's like 175 or something plus but luxury tax on top of that i think it's like about 230 million bucks <laughs> yeah, yeah and they won 15 games last year so that's yeah. where the nba is i mean take mm. the pandemic out of it like it's you know i presume things get back to normal and it's gonna it's gonna remain a very expensive league to win in so you know so i think one element there is the jury wants to be 100 percent confident that the board has the same commitment that they've demonstrated in the past seven or eight years. I don't think that's going to be a big problem. I've never heard, or, or there's been no indication that that's going to be yeah. a huge stumbling block, but you know, it is an element. Well, I mean, it also helps that the Raptors of today are not the Raptors before the side took over. Like this is a highly profitable organization. They bring in huge revenues. The, the value of the organization is, I, 
I don't know, at least doubled, I would say, in the last... I think, I think MLSC as a whole, and that includes the hockey team, the soccer team, the arenas, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be over $5 billion now. Yeah, exactly, like right. You know, it's... it's it's uh, And they bought it. The Bell and, and Rogers bought it, I think, for 1.3. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the valuation at the time. They did pretty well, and that's not all that long ago. So um, anyway, but yeah. Yeah, that's a great investment. Um, okay, so we've talked a lot about the MLSC side of things. Um, I guess the bigger question is, what does Masai want? Because it seems like MLSC is very happy with Masai uh, for good reason. 100%. They would sign this deal yesterday. Yeah. So what is what does Masai want? You mentioned Masai had the list before. It got done. What is Masai's new list? And honestly, does that align with what he could be possibly doing in Toronto with that list? Yeah, I, th- I think... You know, I think in Toronto, what he'd be looking for is just like unquestioned 100% commitment of mm-hmm. making this one of the world's great sports organizations, right? And and making every investment at every turn to advance that cause. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's no indication that it hasn't been the passion. I think, I think MLC deserves really high marks for what they've done on the hockey side. When you look in the aggregate between mm-hmm. hockey, soccer, and... Um, you know, now with the basketball team, like it's a pretty forward thinking that org that's willing to invest in things other than what you can immediately see. So like, yeah. you know, medical and all that kind of stuff. We keep hearing and seeing first class, first class, first class. So I think that's fine. Um, and, but that's would be an expectation going forward. I think the biggest challenge for Masai is, um, you know, if he really wants to take giants of Africa, for example, I think they were in nine countries prior to the pandemic um i might be wrong on that but you know it was it it was growing but you know there's a lot of logistics to that well i think he wants that thing to be (laughs) pan-african like and i'm not i think there's got to be 50 60 countries in africa again i'm not a geography major so don't embarrass me if i'm way way off there but you know it's it's a vast continent it's culturally diverse Mm -hmm. there are challenges at every turn uh to do business let alone ngo work there but that's his kind of vision. Like he, he's right. not thinking, I want to run a few basketball courts, run a few basketball camps and build some courts. Like he wants to be a major, major player in the revitalization of the entire continent. That is a, requires a couple of things. It requires a lot of his time and energy and it requires a lot of a big platform access to people who can help make that happen. Um, you know, so I think he'd be looking for that kind of, uh, support uh, going forward. And that's why the New York rumor and even the Washington rumor kind of had a little legs, right? Because all of a sudden, yeah. if you're in those environments, you're, you know, down the street from the UN or you're, um, you know, your, your, your access to the quarters of real power um, is, you know, unlimited almost. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that, and, and so I think that's something you'd be looking for. Again, those jobs don't come open all the time. So, you know, there's no guarantees. And if you're not going to go, so this is an interesting element that was laid out for me as well. Is, is So if, if there's not an immediate job as a president of a basketball operation in like a premier market, you know, that, that pops open, um, then, you know, maybe it's, something to do with ownership and mm. you know that kind of maybe opens up the playing field a little bit i mean 
you know, uh, you know, the Atlanta situation is settled, for example. But if you were an if you were putting together an ownership group and you wanted to buy, you know, a team, you know, any any team in the league almost, and you really wanted to make a splash, and you know, wouldn't you want to maybe have Masai Jiri as part of that group? You know, and you say, okay, well, we'll, you know, you put some skin in the game here, but you put in 5%, we'll make that 5%, 15% or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how all these things work, but um, that changes the equation too. All of a sudden, you know, not only making 12, 15 million a year, you've got, let's just say 10% of a franchise that you're buying in for at $2 billion. So, you know, that's a couple of hundred million in equity that grows. Uh, I think those conditions are difficult to meet here in Toronto because you have two publicly owned companies. So, you know, I think, I think reopening the ownership agreement here could be a little tricky. Um, so those are the kinds of things, uh, you know, NBA expansion. I have been told by, uh, you know, two people who are in very, very good position to know that that's, you know, going to be on the horizon and it makes perfect sense that it would be on the horizon. I mean, the league hasn't expanded I think since 2003 or four, you look at the way the games expanded mm-hmm. in the last, let's call it 20 years. Certainly, you know, there's room for another couple of franchises. And oh, by the way, <laughs> um, when you look at the math, if you say, you know, the if you look at the two teams, let's call the franchise fees, a couple of billion each. Um, you divide by the existing 30 teams. It's about 130, 140 million each. Wow. How much did they lose during the pandemic? About 130, 140 million. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little bit too elegant. And and by the way, who, where would be the number one logical, you know, no-brainer slam dunk expansion market be Seattle? Seattle. Who who works in Seattle? Your boy, Tim. Tim Laiwiki, right? He's running the hockey, yeah. he's running a company that owns a hockey team out there. So, again, that's like some speculative dot connecting. Right. But yeah, I yeah. think that's... You know, that's where you need to think a little bit when you're wondering what's next for Masai Jerry. Yeah. And listen, um, Tim's a big ideas guy. Tim is a big ideas He's guy. He's awesome. He was awesome. He's an awesome, awesome executive. He did incredible things here in Toronto. Yeah, Can't deny I was, was going to say, I mean, uh, uh, you know, TFC, uh, the Raptors. I mean, even the leagues to make the playoffs. 100%. Uh, you know, so much uh, success attributed to them. Okay, so uh, one more question about Masai. And then maybe we kind of focus on the rest of the thing. Um, so you mentioned two sides haven't talked since February. How did that meeting go? So this is like after the, the uh, you know, the Knicks talk was right. out there. And then, of yeah. course, you know, the two sides maybe come to the table a little bit. I'm assuming it didn't – it wasn't like a smashing success considering he's not signed. Um, but how – any details on what happened in February? I th- my understanding is there's no animosity. I think the meeting was preliminary. Um, okay. It was kind of along those lines of, you know, what's the board going to look like? Where does your level of commitment, um, you know, let's keep talking sort of thing. I don't, and then the pandemic struck. So I think if anything, that's maybe where momentum may have lagged a little bit is, you know, there's just so many moving parts going on and, you know, like, uh, so, you know, and I do think Masai wanted to get all of his like kind of lieutenants taken care of before right. him. So that's all done. So, Although we keep hearing Bobby's nearly done, but it's, we, we never actually hear that he's done. Um, so, you know, so I think, I think that's, it was kind of preliminary. And, um, you know, the one thing I would say about all this is it probably could have been avoided had after the title, 
um, you know, they just sat down and said, look, what do you want? And yeah. maybe it would have been <laughs> a little easier to sit done then. But I always kind of take it a little bit from the other point of view too, is they had re renegotiated Masai's contract, I think a couple of years before when the yeah, next stuff circulated. And he still had two years on his deal when they won. You know there was a big championship bonus in there. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. what, oh. like you know <laughs> what I mean? So so if you're the employer, you're uh-huh. like, wait a second, you got two years left on your deal. We just cut you a check for I don't know, millions. Yeah. Um, you know, by the way, it's like I've got a, you know, you know, I'm about you know, let's like I don't I kind of don't really give it you know, I cut him a little slack to be honest. Like I don't think that was some fatal error that should be held against him. Yeah. Um, that's like a know, hindsight so, 2020 kind of thing. Barely, to be honest. So yeah. so anyway, so I don't think there's animosity. I think the relationships are still good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is just Masai just, you know, wanting to take as much leverage and time as he has available to him. And he has a lot. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a patient man. That's part of it. Like a great exec. Um, all right. So and then this is just a shot in the dark. Does the Giannis resigning in Milwaukee affect this? If at all, I think people have maybe speculated the rumor that <laughs> obviously there was a connection there. <laughs> Raptors put all the, some eggs, maybe not all their eggs in the 2021 basket, they but some a lot eggs. of eggs in it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, um, Serge and Mark are partially not here because of that. So, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's it's connected, and okay. and uh, no, I, I I mean, it would be, uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't think so. All right. Well, on the Giannis front, so then you know, uh, obviously the Raptors had made plans twenty twenty one. I mean, to be honest, the free agent market that year looks to be weakening quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. LeBron yeah, so guy just looks like yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Victor Oladipo. I mean, you know. I mean, you know, uh, it's not quite as sexy. It's not quite as sexy. I think Kyle might be one of the best uh, free agents that year. Yeah, he's gonna get paid, and he's gonna get yeah. paid maybe by the Raptors. Yeah. So I, I think. I mean, I, I'd be interested in your opinion on this, but I, mm. I, if I was in their shoes, I'd I'd get OG done now. Um, yeah. you know, I think, I think having all that cap space is awesome, but it can kind of lead you to mistakes too. Right. Like if you, well, you know, like, you know, I, I think, I think if you take care of OG and, and, you know, you kind of move a little forward that way, it's, you still would have a significant amount of cap space, mm-hmm. um, but you can use it to, you know, you don't have to go get a max player. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and how many guys getting max actually deliver max? Like, it's a pretty short list. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think actually, if you look at it now, it, it's almost a 50-50 proposition. Like some people, have, it depends on the player. I mean, if you're signing LeBron to the max, 100% you're yeah, getting a value he's, back. He's, he's worth double max. Right? Yeah, you're, you're, it's yeah. probably three times. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if you sign OG now, what's the price? $20 million? Probably starts 20 I mean, you look at the yeah. Jer- Jeremy Grant situation. I mean, he's probably better yeah. than Jeremy Grant. But, oh, I, I think mean, so. restricted. Yeah. Yeah. If you get OG to 20 I'd be pretty happy. Um, and I, and I do think that, yeah, I mean, what the rap, especially with the max fringe out there, unless you're like the biggest Rudy Gobert fan, you love the fact that he posts a triple double with screen assists, which is probably my, my favorite stat is the counting the, the screen assists right now. Um, then yeah, you're probably, you're probably not going to be spending the max on like a Victor Oladipo. That doesn't, that screams like, okay, we've just signed Gordon Hayward to the max, for example. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it makes more sense to divide that cap room at least two ways because there are other roster con- constraints, right? You're looking at the center position. That's not settled. I don't even think it's great for this season, let alone going forward. So, right. yeah. Divide I mean, up Baines that is 34, right? So it's not like, yeah. um, you know, like I think he's obviously – he looks like he's in good health, good shape, very durable guy, but you're not going to throw three years at him. No, you know what I mean? No. I don't think so. Were you surprised by the, you know, by, so, the by the, the, the Chris contract? Sorry, the Chris, uh, the Boucher contract. Uh, Boucher, yeah, sorry. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I think in the context of, um, you know, the whole search thing, you know, I think, I don't know if it gets interpreted. The way I interpret it is, is like, there's all this, love and respect for Kyle Lowry, deservedly so. So if he's this important to your franchise, why wouldn't you max, you know, put everything into making this year um, mm-hmm. the best year it could be? Because you don't know what's going to happen next year with him. And he's still closer, close to his peak. And that's why the surge thing, um, you know, I don't, th- I, I was never sold on bringing both surge and Mark back. I thought Mark was so bad for most of last year, or certainly after the, the that I'm, I, I'd be, you know, I, I didn't have a problem him not coming back. Mm-hmm. I know all the advanced numbers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but to me, you know, a better center tandem would be Baines and Serge. Like, I think <laughs> there's no doubt that that's better than Serge, than Baines and Boucher. And if it took, you know, I think I, you know, I think the numbers were in that 12 to $14 million range. And if it took for one year, I get why you didn't want to give them two. But if you go to 16, 17, for one mm-hmm. uh he only got two at 18 i think right yeah so i mean that would certainly get his attention it keeps your cap space clean cap sheet clean for next year and what would it really take to get there okay you shave a million and a half off of chris he's was really somebody really going to come and offer chris boucher more than five million bucks yeah, in, risk, that's why I was in rfa yeah. Uh, you know, I don't. Maybe think you so. like you. You know, you use a pick, get rid of uh, no, and, and, the Stanley money. Like, yeah. And if there's, there's, to, right. there was and very if somebody easy does make a run, if he does someone does make a run at Chris, and you gotta sign it for more than you want to, I don't know. It just seems a little. I just think that that you could have uh, made a bigger effort to get Surge. I'm not sure exactly why that deal broke down. I think I suspect maybe it was something more than than just money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that's 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 a, a kind of curious one to me. Yeah, that was that was a little strange as well. Um, I, I I got it in the context of Giannis, I guess, but um, you know. Yeah, I don't think you needed to go an extra year to catch Serge. I think that's... you could. I think you could have got him for one year, but you would have might have had to touch the cap or mm-hmm. touch you know get into luxury tax. And as you say, though, maybe you attach a second to Stanley Johnson or two seconds to Stanley. Do something. Do and something. Then it man. gets you back under. So I don't think it's impossible. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Last question before we go. We talked a lot about Masai. We talked a lot about MLSC, all this other stuff. If Masai does walk, it seems like Bobby is going to be the successor. Um, you know, it makes sense. You promote the GM. I guess my question is how much does Bobby do right now? Because I think that's always <laughs> a little bit confusing to some people. Uh, we know he was a, a big player in the, in the Kawhi talks, for example. How much does Bobby do now? And I don't know, what's your what's your level of confidence of Bobby taking over? Because it seems like Bobby gets rave reviews everywhere. And he's gotten quite a few interviews to uh, to run, I believe, Sacramento and um, Chicago this past year. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think Bobby does a ton. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think 
Masai's still very engaged. I mean, he was in the bubble for 10 weeks, right? Like the guy's mm-hmm. not passing through. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I know he still goes on his scouting trips and, um, you know, but I think, you know, the day-to-day minutia, I think he's, uh, I think he's delegated a lot and I think that's good leadership too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, his staff has grown. He's, 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 he's does a really good job with that. I know Masai's consulted uh, kind of leadership, uh, coaches, so to speak. And, and that's a big thing in, in big successful companies is, you know, these guys grow a business because they're control freaks, but the business eventually bottlenecks because you can't control everything. So you got to learn to back mm-hmm. off. And, right. and I, and I'm not saying besides a control freak, I'm just saying, I think he's really invested in, in having his people grow and, and take more responsibility. So I think Bobby is very much the GM. I mean, I think he's, I think on the decision-making side, obviously Masai's right in there, but in terms of executing and the day-to-day, you know, Bobby's, you know, carrying the heaviest load for sure. Dan Tolzman too. Like, I mean, it, it, that's mm-hmm. that, and Patrick Engel, Engelbrecht, I think that staff is really, um, you know, and Teresa gets all the dirty work. I think <laughs> she gets all the hard stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, let's uh, let's set up in Tampa Bay in two weeks. Teresa, yeah, yeah. go for it. Anyway, but um, so I think Bobby's, you know, fully capable. I think he's got a lot of great demeanor. I think he's got all the attributes. I think the one thing we haven't seen and and I can't really say I've I think it's safe to say like he's not beside jury like like he is not a charismatic leader. Um, that kind of sets the tone mm-hmm. for an entire organization and can sell a sport to a country, you know, I mean, yeah, but who's, true. there's no one out there like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's probably, you know, it's, it's like, you know, being the wrong, you know, it's like being on uh, on a talk show and following like the, you know, the, the stand-up guy who just kills it. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not much you can do. So, so, but I, I think you're in good hands if he's your, if he's your GM, I mean, he's, he's, but uh, you know, you definitely lose presence in terms of, of what Masai brings out off, outside of basketball. Well, you, you didn't enjoy his uh, post-COVID announcement by the Raptors press conference, where he said <laughs> <laughs> he said I can't comment on that like 15 different ways in the yeah. span of five minutes. Uh, yeah, no, I mean a... it's uh, it is what it is. So yeah, Masai's better at no comment than Bobby. He's yeah, a better Masai, disassembler. Masai launches into like a, a, a very riveting speech for like two minutes and you forget <laughs> what your yeah. question was exactly. originally. Yeah. So um, I did, you know, any thoughts on who you might have taken the second round? Well, let me talk about, uh, you know, the pandemic and global yeah. issues. So, yeah, anyway. no, he's a, Masai is a master at that, but I mean, look, I, th- I think Bobby is, I mean, he deserves a chance definitely to run a team and he will one day. Um, if it's not here, it's going to be somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, is there any concern Masai just take some of these guys? If let's say worst case scenario, Masai goes somewhere else. You would imagine he would take at least some staff with him. Um, all those staff, except for Bobby, and Bobby's, as we understand, is very close. Mm. There'd be a lot of non-compete language okay. in, in those deals. And, you know, I think getting back to Masai, I, I think, you know, my prediction is he ends up signing something with Toronto that's yep. relatively short term. I don't think it's going to be like a five-year deal. I think he's going to be looking for something with a lot of, flexibility in terms of you know could he for example interview with another another team without having to ask for permission first mm. those kinds of things 
could he exit the deal without non-competes and stuff. But I, I, I think the one thing any intelligent organization would do is, okay, Masai, you're leaving, but you can't like strip mine the whole organization and leave us dangling. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't happen in Denver. That's, that's for sure. He, he, no, he I think it's pretty crew. standard. It, it's, you know, maybe I'm trying to think of some examples, but like, you know, Darren Morey hasn't pulled the front office with him from, yeah, exactly. For example, I, I think the language in those deals is pretty, is pretty, pretty usually pretty strict on that stuff all right michael i think we are um sufficiently maybe scared or uh, as unsettled <laughs> as before i think he's gonna this. be back I, I do think he's gonna be back i just don't i just don't think the story is gonna go away like i don't yeah, think he's exactly. i don't think he's gonna be here for life but i think yeah. he will be here for the next two three years nobody's here for life man so all right grange thanks so much for coming on um you know definitely read uh watch listen to all your work um you still gonna be part of the broadcast i mean i don't know how all these broadcasts are, are gonna yeah work yeah right now. yeah no we're yeah. i think we're doing it from uh from, from Scotia Scotia Bank. Bank arena the, like in the practice facility there so yeah yeah, yeah me and sherman and uh brad so yep revving up pretty soon should be fun hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.